Welcome to the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, with your hosts, Max, Liz, and Nigel. This podcast is produced by Playful World Ministries, a department of ACT International. All of the Epic Order of the Seven characters and adventures were created by and written by Jenny L. Cody. And I'm your narrator, Denny Brownlee. By the way, as you listen to this episode from the audiobook The Voice, The Revolution, and The Key, keep in mind you can download your very own copy of it by visiting audible.com. That's www.audible.com. And you'll find the entire collection of Jenny L. Cody's Epic Order of the Seven books by going to her website, epicorderoftheseven.com. This is our special bonus episode. Hi, lad. And I got to see... It'd be nice getting out of your stuffy studio for once. Glad you think so, Max. This being recorded at, what is it, Liz? At Chez Côté, huh? Very good, okay. So we're recording at Jenny's house, but this will be our first episode of the new year 2022. Now, of course, you may be listening to this months, even years from now, but it was originally recorded for the very first podcast of the year 2022. So we're excited to bring in the new year, aren't we, Max? Aye! Happy New Year, lads and lasses! Oui! Uh, bon année! Indeed. And uh, uh, should I say, uh, uh, should old acquaintance be forgot and never... Shh! Uh, Nigel, please, no. I don't need you to sing, Nigel. Thanks anyway, bud. Uh, hi, Mousy. Uh, let's face it. Uh, not all of us have the golden pipes, then. I think he sounds fabulous. Aha! Uh-huh. There you are. Someone finally has the musical prowess to, uh... Wait, I say, uh, Miss Jenny? Hey, Nigel. Hey, what are you doing here? We haven't gone to Jenny's corner yet. Well, Happy New Year. It's a new year. Let's do something new. We uh, oui. Why not shake things up a little bit, no? That's what I always say. And that's why you got such great books, then, lass. But why are you here so early today? What's the special announcement you want to make, then? Well, the announcement is that this is not going to be your usual podcast because Denny and I are taking over and we're going to give you all the day off. I say, we're on holiday, then. Oh, très bien. We don't get the day off, I noticed. Well, you have to earn your vacation days, lad. Indeed, and so in your case, announcer chap, uh, 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 Jenny? No. But the animals, you know, it's like free animal day. Free, what do we call it? Free animal day? What, are you going to leave the door open for me? Yeah. You know how that works out. Uh, no, Max. Uh, Jenny, what did you really mean? We're going to wait on you, hand and foot. How's that? Wait, that's what you meant, Jenny? I don't think... Oh, I like that very much to be waited on hand and paw, is hand it Hand and paw, we... we. <laughs> I say, good show. Uh, I could go for a little nibble. Well, don't look at me, Nigel. You can get your little nibble yourself. <laughs> All right. So we wanted to give you a little backstory because, as you may have noticed, a couple of weeks ago, if you caught our podcast uh, just before Christmas, we had announced that a brand new audiobook had hit the shelves, as it were, on audible.com, and that was The Declaration, The Sword, and The Spy. And that book is a sequel to The Voice, The Revolution, and The Key, which is what we've been featuring on this season's episodes all the way along. And we are now up to chapter 41, which will air in our next episode. So therefore, we're well into that book, and we have a good ways to go yet, but you're getting a little feel for that book. Declaration Sword and Spy is the sequel to that. Uh, pardon, uh, before I leave on uh, holiday, I should like to know, how is it that Zemeka brought you both together to now... Allow us to speak out loud, no? Oh, yeah. Good question, Liz. Uh, so, let me see. I met you in 2008 at the Gideon Media Arts Conference. At, uh, 
Ridgecrest. All right, so that was at Ridgecrest. Mm -hmm. That was 08. Mm -hmm. And I believe it was then 09, is that when you brought fresh, hot-off-the-press copies of... The Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud, that's right. The next year, Mm -hmm. and I saw you there, you and Sandy. And so that's really when we started to become friends. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. At that point, it was mostly Gideon. And then, of course, we had this whole network of friends who were constantly in contact with each other. So we kind of got to be friends through emails and social media and such. And these are crazy Christian film people, writers, directors, Mm -hmm. actors, producers, music people. Very creative bunch. Yeah. And we were just a really tight-knit group of people that bonded very quickly Mm -hmm. and very deeply. And so even if we didn't see each other but once a year, there was a connection there that we all felt and we all wanted to work together. Exactly. And that's still the case. There are still many projects and would-be projects out there floating around that we would love for God to pull together for us, but he'll do it on his timing if it's going to be. But we've obviously stayed in contact as friends. And so Jenny gave us this book, The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud, and she autographed it, and we were just thrilled to have it. And, you know, anytime somebody gives me a free gift, I become better friends with them. But that aside... um, It's biblical. Yeah. (laughs) gift opens the door, right? Wow, listen to you. proverb or something. Anyway, as my career transformed more into voiceover and less radio and such, uh, I started considering doing long-form recordings such as e-learning books and audiobooks. And in that business, you need a demo, which is just a short demonstration of what you can do with various genres of books in this case. So I did about 45 seconds of a nonfiction book and 45 seconds of an adult novel. And then I thought I should have a kid's novel in there, too. So I pulled The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud off the shelf, found a place where it was Al and Max conversing as they're just getting started on the journey. And I threw a little music underneath it to just punch it up. And that was part of my demo. I thought, well, Jenny will get a kick out of this. I used her book. No big deal. So I sent her an email and then I heard back. And I said, oh, Denny. When can you do the whole thing? (laughs) It's exactly what she said. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that was 2015. So we sat down on a cold, snowy day in February with a mutual friend of ours, Francine. We sat down at a Cracker Barrel and started strategizing as to how we would do this and how much it would cost and all those sorts of things and tried to get this off and running. Well, that was 2015. And you had a lot of projects going, I know, with Kyle Sailors, with your BBS package that's called... Heroes of History, and I was writing this... uh, Goodness, what book was I up to by then? I was nearing, well, the release of The Voice of the Revolution in the Key was 2017. So I was in the throes of multiple books since then. So then by now, 2018 rolls around, and both of us were like, yeah, it's time. I was somewhat of a novice at producing them at that time, but I knew I could voice the thing, and then I get into it, and there's like 105 voices from 40 different regions of the world, all with different accents, and it was a grueling labor of love. I had so much fun, but it was uphill. But we got it out in August of 2018, right? Mm -hmm. That seems so long ago now. right? That's hard to believe. Zip, zip. Mm Mm-hmm. And so... As I'm moving forward with that, you know, she wanted me to do the voice of the revolution in the key right away, but there was no money to do it. And these things take a long time and I have to eat like everyone else. And actually I eat more than most people. Let's tell them why we wanted to jump from the arc to the revolution. Right. Because normally... Normally, one would go in order, but 
I'm not normal and neither are you. No. Nah, nah. We love to shake things up That's all the right. time. Right. And we did it with this first sequence here. So given the maligning of America's history, everything mm. that's happening in our country right now, mm-hmm. and just feeling grieved in our spirits that our kids, they're not getting our history. Adults don't even know America's history. We're losing it if we don't preserve it. We almost felt a sense of urgency yeah. to get America's story out there mm-hmm. in all forms. And so I felt, and and also know that Parents and kids, y'all are studying the revolution. And so you're in the trenches already in school doing it. And it's like, well, let's give them this stuff now and print and ebook and audio that they can do it. So we made the decision, well, let's jump right to the voice of the revolution and the key. Mm-hmm. But but the money wasn't there. Right. And as we got to 2019 and then 2020 and things got shut down, I'm going, you know, I've got a little time on my hands. I'm going to start recording the voice of the revolution and the key one, as a hobby, and two, on faith. And I also started trying to come up with ways to fund it to make sure it got paid for, including a producer and some publicity and things like that. So I started coming up with this Kickstarter campaign. I'm trying to figure out how to get it rolling, right? But I thought, I'm going to record as a hobby, and suddenly it's going to start moving forward, and I'm already going to be a few chapters ahead of the game. And we've told this story before, but it bears repeating, and it's just so cool and so God. In 2020, after all the rioting began and everybody started tearing down statues of our founding fathers, and I understood at one point, but when they started messing with George Washington and Abe Lincoln and Thomas Jefferson, some of these guys, I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Now you're trying to tear down my history and and I can't sit idly by. I'm not going to go out and riot or anything like that. What can I do? I can voice this book. And so then I went into high gear. And that's when Jenny had a wonderful encounter here in Georgia with a dear lady named Deb. Mm -hmm. I got an email from Deb, and she said, My grandson, Christian, loves your books. And she said, He's coming here to Atlanta to visit from the Midwest, Mm -hmm. and he would love to meet you. I said, Oh, I would love that. And so Christian and his family came to Atlanta, and I went to Deb's house, and we sat outside for three hours, and while we were conversing, they shared the story of how Christian became Deb's next audiobook for book two. (laughs) What do you mean by that? (laughs) When he and his grandmother were talking, she said, what's your favorite book series? And I am honored to say that Christian said my books were his favorite. His favorite was The Prophet, The Shepherd, and The Star. So she went to start to get that book. And he says, no, grandmother, you have to start at the beginning of the series with the art three and the fire club. So he is orderly. (laughs) Right. He is orderly, unlike us. So when she saw that it was on Audible, because she loves audiobooks, she says, well, hey, I'll listen to the art. So she listened to the art three and the fire cloud. And then she and Christian would have phone calls and they would chat about it. Well, then when she finished the art, she went to go find the dreamer. Well. We haven't done it yet. We didn't have any audiobooks there. And so Christian said, Grandmother, I will be your audible. So Christian called her every weeknight and read her one chapter. From the dreamer, the schemer, and the robe. And this is like a nine-year-old boy, right? Every night. Call he Grandma. might have been eight starting. He, maybe he so, starting yeah. That. And he would read the chapter and then 
hang up and then that was it and it was a wonderful time of bonding for them and then by the time they came to Atlanta they were already into the prophet the shepherd and the star so we're sitting around and I'm like wow what an amazing thing for this young man to do how cool it was that they bonded so it naturally led to are you going to be doing any more audiobooks and we're like well we'd love to but they're expensive you know it's several thousand dollars to mm-hmm. produce them So I said, but, you know, God's got more money than God. And whenever he's ready to roll, we'll do it. And by the time I was walking to my car, Deb said, Jenny, tell Denny to start recording. I'm giving you the money to produce the voice of the revolution in the key. You've got it. So here I am that very morning. I said, I'm going to read as many chapters as I can get read this morning. And then this afternoon, I'm going to work on this financing. How are we going to do this? You know, and and it's obviously not my favorite part. So I read chapters six through nine. And I was feeling pretty good at lunchtime. I had four chapters under my belt this morning. Yay. And so I sat down to my peanut butter sandwich and my phone rings. And it's Jenny, but it's not Jenny. She goes, I need to put somebody on the line with you. And it was Deb. And she said what she told Jenny. Denny, go ahead with the book. You have the money. And uh, I think I was just dumbfounded. I was without words. Yeah, you it know. was just such a God moment. I mean, it was such a a visual of put your toes in the water and they'll part. Yeah. And that's why I wasn't shy to want to start the next book. And Jenny found ways to make sure we had it covered financially as well. And so the Declaration, the Sword, and the Spy is what I have worked feverishly on for many months this year. And, of course, finally got it out the door, approved by Audible, and up on sale just in time for Christmas, as we say. And it's had a really strong start. And it's a whopping 20... 27 and a half hours, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you don't read it in all one sitting. Um, I don't think your parents would let you binge for 27 hours straight. <laughs> but right. anyway, so that's done now, and God has provided... And so now we'd like to share our five-minute sampler, a collage of what you can expect to hear in the Declaration, the Sword, and the Spy. Paul Revere stomped down Union Street, his mind feverishly racing with what he had just learned. Urgency pressed him forward, his heart now pounding as he considered the import of what Henry Knox had revealed to him moments ago. There was a spy in their midst. Nigel? Do you see what I see? Just there, footprints forming in the wet grass, but there is no visible creature making them. And they are headed for that lanky soldier on the end. The lanky soldier on the end was Pug. He stood firmly in place, his hands tightly gripping his wolf gun. Suddenly, Pug felt something nudge him from behind. That was all it took. Startled, his finger pulled the trigger igniting a flash of gunpowder to send his bullet exploding out the barrel of his wolf gun to find its mark. What do you suppose is the easiest way to hide the movement of the soldiers despite this bright moon, Jock? And what is the best way to mask noise? Fog and wind. I can make a fog screen below the heights to cover the men, and I can make the wind blow from the southwest to carry sound away. Gilliman must Jock's head. Precisely, little one. He took a handful of beans from his pocket and held them out to the eager Scotty, who gobbled them up. No to drink a lot of water, really fast. I say, does the mystery of Jock's weather powers lie in what he consumes? Gilliman winked. 
Sometimes. Fear struck the men, and while Prescott allowed a swift burial of their fallen comrade, the fearless commander realized his men needed some steel forged into their spines. He jumped up on top of the redoubt and began walking briskly back and forth across the parapet. The commander took off his hat and waved it at the British ships, shouting, Hit me, if you can! With that, Prescott's men erupted into huzzas and grins, emboldened and inspired by the bravery of their commander, who continued to defiantly strut back and forth like a rooster, claiming the day as his own. Mr. Washington, the Congress has, by a unanimous vote, made choice of you to take the supreme command of the forces in defense of American liberty. My heartiest congratulations, General Washington. Patrick Henry offered. Unexpectedly, George Washington bit his lip, his eyes filled with tears. Remember, Mr. Henry, what I now tell you. From the day I enter upon the command of the American armies, I date my fall and the ruin of my reputation. Patrick Henry looked Washington square in the eye with his fiery, determined gaze. I know with every fiber in my being that you have been called to our nation for such a time as this. God will therefore equip you with every ounce of strength and every pearl of wisdom you need to accomplish this task. Lean not on your own understanding, General Washington, but on the one who will lead you to victory in the glorious cause. This General Washington has an army of farmers and militiamen from disparate colonies. The Americans have heart, but not the arms to defeat those professionals. Lafayette's heart raced. He rose from his seat and slowly pulled his sword from its scabbard and held it proudly in the air. Then I will give them mine. From this day, I give my heart to the Americans and will raise my banner and add my colors to hers. Hancock rose to his feet. With the delegates of New York abstaining, the vote is 12 to 0. Mr. Lee's resolution for deciding independence passes. No one uttered a word as the gravity of the moment settled in on the men who had just done the unthinkable. They had finally decided for independence. Benjamin Franklin leaned over to Thomas Jefferson and John Adams and smiled. We must all hang together, or most assuredly, we shall all hang separately. July 4th, 1776, the unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Again, that's our brand new audiobook, The Declaration, The Sword, and the Spy by Jenny L. Cody, and it's available for download right now by going to audible.com. That's audible.com. And by the words, Declaration, Sword, and Spy kind of gives you three hints as to what you might find in this book, but I'm going to let the author herself, Jenny L. Cody, explain as to the scope of where this book takes us. Right. Well, okay, as I told you, the voice of the revolution, the key, leads us up to the eve of revolution. So by the time the first shots are fired at Lexington and Concord, you're going to understand 
why, how we got to this point. So the Declaration of the Sword and the Spy actually picks up right after the animals return from Richmond Town, where Patrick Henry just gave his immortal give me liberty or give me death speech, and it picks up right then. So, I mean, it's like a couple of days later. Patrick Henry was called a prophet because he would say things, and then lo and behold, he was right. And when he said, give me liberty or give me death, and he was telling everybody, you better arm up, because what's happening up in Boston in the North, if it can happen there, it can happen here. And sure enough, three weeks later, what happens? The first shots are fired at Lexington and Concord. So this was just three weeks after Liberty or Death. So this book picks up right then, and you're going to see all the action shift up there when that happens. And then all the patriots pour in from all the surrounding New England colonies to come to the aid of their fellow patriots, and they hem in the British, and essentially the siege of Boston begins. Then meanwhile, in Philadelphia, you've got the Continental Congress trying to figure out what are we going to do with all of this? Are we going to go for independence? Are we going to keep pleading for the king? All of the colonies had to come together and decide, are we going to do this or not? We've got to be all united, all together on this, or forget it. And what a lot of people don't realize, at the eve of revolution, Only a third wanted independence. Only a third? One third. Wow. You see why this is such a miracle that we pulled this off. Mm -hmm. And then a third wanted to remain loyal to Mm -hmm. the king. And then a third were undecided. Hmm, We haven't changed a whole lot, have we? (laughs) So it was a sheer miracle of what was happening politically. So then you've got everything happening. You've got, you know, the Battle of Bunker Hill, Breed's Hill, actually, that happens during this book. And then... The sword of the revolution, that's when Congress appoints George Washington to become the leader of the newly formed Continental Army. And then spy. Hmm. Hmm. We need spy music pumped in. Boom, boom, boom. You know, as I started researching espionage, there were spies on every page of the American Revolution. And it's so cool. Who doesn't like a good spy story, right? (laughs) So there is a spy in the middle of the Patriot forces. And I'm not going to spoil it for you, but there's a lot of espionage stuff going on. So I had to tell that story. Mm -hmm. And then Washington comes to Boston, assumes command of the army. You've got all the players, all the green officers like Nathaniel Green (laughs) and Henry Knox. And you've got a new little Scotty dog character, Max's descendant, Jock Mm -hmm. Frost Knox, who's going to come on the scene and help with weather miracles. Did you know that we couldn't have won the war without all these weather miracles? Hmm. And so they needed an agent for to do that. So Jocka's going to help us with this. And then meanwhile, now that we're going to do independence, you got to have a declaration to tell the world. And so Thomas Jefferson, we have to get him in place. And Nigel and Liz have to help him with that. But while all this is happening here in America, a big thread of what I do with these books is showing the French alliance that we could not be independent if it weren't for France coming Mm -hmm. in to help us. Mm -hmm. Did you know that French aid began seven months before we even declared independence? How could that be? Well, you'll read it Mm -hmm. all in the Declaration, the Sword, and the Spy. So many people think, oh, the revolution began when we signed the Declaration of Independence. That's the common thought, yep. And we had been fighting a year Mm -hmm. and more and change before that happened. So the scope of the declaration is going to take you from Lexington and Concord 
through the Declaration of Independence with all that good, juicy stuff and action <laughs> in it. <laughs> there you go. And so it, again, is available for you to start getting ahead of the story because we're 40-some-odd chapters into The Voice of Revolution of the Key, and we know where we're heading with that. But you can get into the Revolutionary War, probably the stuff that you may study about in school, on a far deeper level and a far more fun level. No offense to history buffs. I loved history class. But this is more fun because you get that little element of animals and a little bit of behind the scenes what God intends and, I'll be honest with you, what the enemy intends against. That's in there too. And I'm not talking about the British now. I'm talking about the enemy, capital E, the one that's after all of us. He's after us these days and he was after the Americans in those days and did not want them to become the independent free country that we became. Like all of her books, Jenny doesn't shy away from that element, and it's always fun to see how the maker prevails in spite of him. And so if you'll indulge us, now we'd like to take you back to as to how this whole podcast thing got started. So let's go back to 2019. I started getting this idea. I've been wanting to podcast since 2015, and I could do some of my silly stuff like I used to do on radio and would love to. But I thought, I need something that's sort of cohesive and something I can sustain week after week to become a really good podcast. And I hit on the idea of taking a chapter or so from one of her books and moving forward with it each week and have some of the main characters host the show. Oh, and we need to get some input from Jenny each week on her writing process, how she came up with characters or scenes or just whatever is on her heart based on what we're reading. So I proposed that to her in February of 2020 at the National Religious Broadcasters, NRB convention. It was in Nashville. She and a lot of other friends came to Nashville. We had a good time hanging out. And I said, Jenny, what do you think of this idea? And she goes, no, no, I know that's not. I said, can you have it up next week? I mean, I was like, let's do it. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's she, do it. She was. So the answer to that question was not yes. But it allowed me to, if I waited a few weeks, to get a few under my belt so that we could hit the ground running. The last thing a podcaster wants to do is an episode or two and then not have number three ready. So I got a few episodes together and we launched on March 24th of 2020. Right smack dab when everything got shut down. Mm -hmm. And we're going, kids can't go to school right now. Huh. They might have a little time on their hands. Right. We might have to give them a little of entertainment and education at the same time. All right, so that's when the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, was born. And we went through, of course, the first book that was ready at the time, the only book ready at the time, The Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud. And it has been an absolute joy. And Jenny's been great to work with. And I've learned a lot about writing just by listening to her tell you how to write and what to do. So I'm thrilled that this episode will be episode 94. 94 weeks in a row. We haven't missed a week, and I don't intend to. And you know, y'all don't realize the work that Denny puts into this. The first time I saw his spreadsheet for how he does characters and the scripts that he has to write, he writes scripts for each one. Yes, he does have to tell Max and Liz and Nigel what to say. Uh, hold up then. Max, I thought you were going to go outside and play. Well, I need somebody to open the door for me then. I don't have any thumbs, you know. Yeah, you may have mentioned that before. So you wanted to add something, Max? Aye, as far as you're telling us what to say and all, sometimes he makes me say things I didn't want to say then, but it was written in the script, so what am I supposed to do then? 
That's right. So you can't blame Max for a word he said. No, nor me, for <laughs> I am far more brilliant than he gives me credit for sometimes. I will just say right out loud in front of him. What do you mean, Liz? I try to make you the smart one. I thought you were trying to make me the smart one. But Nigel, Liz is considered brilliant. Well, what am I, chopped liver then? And so it goes. But Nigel wasn't in the first season, though. Right. And so that's been what's so awesome to have him in season two. I say, thank you, Miss Jenny. It is indeed gratifying to see that someone appreciates my presence. Lucy, you brought presents? I appreciate presents, then. Hmm. It's not hard to see who is not the brilliant one, no? Meanwhile, getting back to season one, which didn't include Nigel, I say, your loss, old boy. We were able to keep season one with 52 weeks with the art. That was kind of weird. It just came out to exactly it, a year. It was perfect. Mm -hmm. But when you get to a longer book, like The Voice, The Revolution, and The Key, uh, we're like, we won't be able to do this in a year. Otherwise, each podcast would be really long. Mm -hmm. Right. So we've done one chapter at a time. And even those are a bit longer than the arc. But that's okay, because it's a deeper story in some ways. Let's face it. This lady took four chapters in Genesis for the arc and turned it into 400 pages of a novel. She took probably a few liberties there. There's probably a few things in there that weren't in the Bible. But she stayed true to the scriptures and yet expanded it into this wonderful story. Well, uh, kind of the same thing. She has done so much research on revolutionary times and all the battles and places things were signed and whatnot. Yeah, all this is research fodder for her to come up with these great stories. I, it blows me away the amount of time she's put into these books, not to mention whatever time I've put into it, far less than what she's put into writing the things. And they are amazing. So we want to tell these whole stories and get behind the scenes in the Revolutionary War, stories you didn't get to hear in history class, or if you're one of the younger set, you may not get to hear in history. Things that are part of our history and our heritage, what we need to realize that we are as Americans that came from these folks. So VRK, the, that's what we affectionately call it, the voice of revolution and the key, it's sort of the preliminary story to the revolution. And give us a little bit as to why we need that. Well, it's not only important to know what happened, but why it happened in history. And, you know, that's just important in life anyway. It's good to understand how things work, but why they work. And when it comes to human nature, the motivations behind what makes us tick, what makes societies tick, governments tick, mm -hmm. you know, people do what they do. People don't do what they do just to do it or act that way. There's always a driving purpose and motivation. And many times in school, you'll start off studying the American Revolution with the first shots fired at Lexington and Concord. Yes, you do get the Boston Tea Party, the Boston Massacre. You get a couple of dress rehearsal scenes for the revolution, but not the full story. When you get into high school, you get on a deeper level. But as I got into it more, and I grew up in the heartbed of Virginia. I grew up in Norfolk, and I was in Williamsburg all the time in Yorktown. So I was surrounded by it, but not until I really started doing the research for the backdrop of the causes leading up to revolution did I fully grasp all that happened. So when I started studying Patrick Henry, and I discovered this forgotten patriot except for seven little words, <laughs> give me liberty or give me death. I was like, wow, people need to know this story and the fact that he was called the voice of the revolution. 
And just as Washington was the sword of the revolution who led us militarily, Jefferson was the pen of the revolution who wrote the Declaration of Independence. And then I thought, well, what about all of them and their upbringing as kids? And so I went back even further. Again, my research, I always drive back, drive back to the beginning. Where did this start? Where did this start? And I thought, I don't think anybody has done the story of the founders that before they were founding fathers, they were founding kids Mm -hmm. because it was this unique generation Mm -hmm. that launched our nation Mm -hmm. and all that had to be poured into them and their experiences and everything that happened in their upbringing. And then as young adults that God had them perfectly situated to form the United States of America. Mm -hmm. And so it became just as important to me to tell that full story. I originally was just going to be Patrick Henry. Okay, really? I originally was. And then I'm like, you can't quite tell his full story without the rest of it because you've got to understand why he was doing what he did, Mm -hmm. right? So that's why the book grew from one book to then two, then three. And now it's like five. It's really going to be done in five. And Sure. Claire Foltz keeps saying, no, Jenny, it's going to be seven. I'm like, I'll think about that tomorrow. Yeah, I'm not getting in that debate. No, mm-hmm. right right now it's five. Right. So um, I decided the voice of the revolution and the key would be starting when the founders are kids, and it's going to lead us up to the big climactic moment of those seven little words at the eve of revolution. So when those first shots are fired at Lexington and Concord, you are going to be so crystal clear and understand everything that led up to this point, how it wasn't just some flippant thing. They labored. They did not want independence. They didn't want to go to war. This was the last course, but we tried everything else. And so it's a lot of data and a lot of background, Mm -hmm. but hopefully it's been fun to have that twist to start with the childhood of the founders and to highlight Patrick Henry. Yeah, you've got the other players in there, but For me, I love putting the spotlight on the lesser known members of history of the founding father team. Right. And you've done so very well. And the cool thing is, again, these are things you probably won't get to hear in your history classes in school. Uh, Not that they're trying to hold any information back from you, but just that there's just so much information to cover that it's a whole lot more fun to read it this way. And because she's got the epic order of the seven, the seven animals, it, number one, brings it back down to a more fun kid level, and she's made them immortal to do the work God has in mind for those young revolutionaries and how he wants things to play out, and he helps work it through the animals in ways that are, well, what's the three words you always use? Historical, fiction, fantasy, in that order, right? Mm -hmm. So she's got the history in there. And when it's a fact that she's been able to research, she leaves it alone. It's fact. Well, there's 300 books in my revolution library. I exhaust everything we can possibly know about what happened. But again, I look for those moments where it's like, we don't know how, or we don't know why, or we're not sure. Or there's two versions of what happened, two even eyewitness accounts. Thomas Jefferson standing in the doorway of the Stamp Act speech when Patrick Henry is railing in 1765. He sees and hears one thing, and a French traveler hears something else, Mm -hmm. and they both give their accounts. And so I have to determine when I'm writing the story, how am I going to handle this? 
And that's one reason why, footnote here, the word from the author in the back of the books, that's where I kind of say, hey, you know what? This was real. This was fake. This was, we're not sure. But I want to be really crystal clear. You know, Denny, if you want to make Jenny sick, tell me I got something wrong. I made an error in history because I see plenty of errors. And by the way, I wouldn't dare tell her she was wrong about, well. No one wants to see that or hear that. Yeah. No. Um, But as I've discovered errors, I'm like, an error happens because someone who's doing research reads it, takes it as gospel, and then they repeat it. And I'm like, I never want to be guilty of that. If anything, I want to correct things that I have found. Anyway, when you have the history, then you layer the fiction. But when you're telling a story, like when I'm putting words into Patrick Henry or George Washington's mouth or whatever, words that they didn't speak, it has to be true to their character. Mm -hmm. It has to be true to the times. It has to be plausible, meaning it could have happened that way. And then the fantasy, that's where the animals come in. And, you know, I can have them just go to town and... And make that unknown thing happen. The example I always like to give is that you may have heard that George Washington during the French-Indian War had been shot several times, but his clothing sort of protected him, and they found like several musket balls on his person that could have killed him, but didn't. What you didn't know is that there was a sniper that got distracted by this little Scotty dog. Did it happen that way? No, that's the fantasy part. But the fact is, George Washington was spared. Why? Well, he became the general in the war and, of course, went on to be president and everything else. His life wasn't over until God said it was. How did he keep from being mortally wounded by them? They shot through his hat and stuff. Right. But their aim was off. Yeah. You know, this this little, Max, way to go, puppy. Yeah. So this little dog distracted the sniper. That's what makes it so much fun is that these immortal animals have gotten in there and have not messed with history, not changed history, but made sure it happened the way the maker... God intended for it to happen. It is such a masterful thing she does. And you already know that if you've been paying attention in the episodes, you've heard a lot of what we just said. So now, moving forward, as we start, in this case, this new year, even if you're listening to this later, again, we're just beginning the first episode of 2022, and we've moved forward with the Declaration of the Sword and the Spy on audiobook through audible.com. That's where you can get it. Go to audible.com, type in the Declaration of the Sword and the Spy by Jenny L. Cody, and you'll be able to download it right there with our most sincere thanks if you do so. If you don't already have The Voice of the Revolution and the Key, you can get that audiobook also available on audible.com, and you can start going ahead of me if you like, so that then you're just fully primed and prepared to go forward with the Declaration of the Sword and the Spy. You see how that works? Mm -hmm. This lady writes tirelessly and researches tirelessly so that you can have these incredible books And it gives me something to do on winter days, too. (laughs) I get get to record a lot of words, and it is such a joy. Well, hey, thank you all for listening and for being part of the podcast, for listening every week, and I hope you're having fun with it. We intend to continue to have fun with... That's your cue. Oh, sorry, lad. With Max and Liz and Nigel and anybody else who happens to show up when I feel like it. And thank you, Jenny, as well. Thank you. And of course, huzzah! Huzzah! And as always, let's let Gilliman close us out. Go ahead, Gilliman. <clears throat> know that you are loved and you are able. <laughs> <laughs>